Earth as a singular planet. In fact, it is anything but. For this is a story not of a universe, but a multiverse. Where universes and planets, such as Earth, were replicated and mirrored across a vibrating, infinite plane. Some barely different from the next. Others drastically so. This is DC On Screen. Every week, Dave and Jason talk about the multiverse of DC properties on film and television. But be warned, if it's been officially released, you can expect they'll spoil it. Welcome in to DC On Screen, episode 502. I am your host, David C. Robertson. This is my co-host, Jason Goss. Hello. If you'd like to join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash groups slash DC On Screen Podcast. Or you can give us a call, send us a voicemail, we'll play it on the show, 205-259-6331. It has been a pretty slow week. I agree. I do agree. I don't know if we're going to make it to to an hour this week. I don't agree. I mean, knowing us, <laughs> knowing us, we might be able to do it. We, well, we may very well find our way into bullshitting an hour, but I... Uh, we might. It's, it, there wasn't a lot of you know real substance out there this week, but hey, it happens. I'll tell you this: uh, November twenty fifth. I think I'm gonna. I, they, we don't know when it's gonna, uh, where it's going to be really yet. They mm-hmm. haven't specified which theaters, and tickets haven't gone on sale. Mm-hmm. But uh, Fathom Events has a listing for Superman the movie returning to theaters for a fortieth anniversary screening. Yeah, that does sound nice, doesn't it? Kind of go and see the the thing that started the modern superhero movement. Yeah, on the big screen as we've never seen it before because we weren't freaking born. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Um, speaking of which, going to be like two weeks past the due date at that point, and probably won't be joining you. Oh. Mm. Instead, I will yeah. be sitting somewhere, wishing you the best and being sleep deprived. <laughs> For those who don't know, Jason has a bun in the oven. Yeah, I might be chilling in my office, which has probably. A minimum of 30 or so different pictures of Superman staring at thinking, if I just spin really fast, I think I can make the movie play in my head. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I don't know that I'm going to do it. Uh, it depends on a lot of things. It depends on work stuff. It depends on family stuff. It de- I don't sure. Know. Sure. It does sound pleasant. Yeah, but it sounds cool. Maybe I'll try to wrangle something with Scott of, of Squadcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know he's I know he's a dad too, but he's got a little more worked out than I'll have at that point. Yeah, he's practiced. Yeah, he's he's got a got a game plan, <laughs> got maneuvers B, C, and D worked out in some cases. I, I do not. Yeah. All right. So I think the biggest news of this week, and we're just going to go ahead and jump into it. They put up a they they put up a picture of Joaquin Phoenix, and he's not made up or anything. He's just smiling. He's at the Deauville uh, American Film Festival. Thin as thin as hell, man. Like, yeah, he's yeah. Joker ready. Yeah, he's, he's really real dropping some weight there. And I did, I did like the the almost natural looking ear to ear grin. Like that's that's gonna be. Uh, yeah. It's enticing. He's, he's he's winning me, man. Yeah, hair slicked back. Yeah, like it looked great. like if and you just colored him up right now, I'd, I'd kind of buy it. Absolutely. And um, Todd Phillips over on Instagram, they he shared a picture. It was a black and white photo of himself. He's looking away from the camera. He looks like he's got cigarette smoke around him. The caption, here we go. I couldn't help but read it in the Heath Ledger, here we go. Yeah, you should do that with that, with that cadence, for sure. But, uh, that yeah, that sounds like filming has begun. Yeah, he's down. he looks downright pensive. He should be. 
<laughs> All right. Does he know uh, this fan base? You take this shit seriously. You do. You're supposed to. I was cracking up at Toby Emmerich earlier. Uh, this dude, <laughs> like my little headline for it that I've written here is Toby Emmerich talks a good but predictable game. Nice. He he says of Aquaman, it's not too hot or too cold. James Wan struck a great balance between fun and jeopardy, edge and wonder, comedy and tragedy. And already I'm like, who wrote this for you, dude? Yeah. He went on to say uh, that he thinks Wan and uh, those involved with Aquaman have crafted a completely unique fictional world, as they say. And he says, James created a totally, uh, a totally original underwater universe, just as Patty Jenkins did with Themyscira. Of right. course, invoking what WB feels is their one successful film. <laughs> he says, James Atlantis is cool and compelling, unlike any world we've seen on film before, in a superhero movie or any other. Look, I'm not saying Aquaman's going to be bad. I'm just saying Emmerich wouldn't tell us if it was. Yeah, I mean, he, <clears throat> he's a hype machine. And he's, gonna, <laughs> he's going to be. And it sounds like trailer two for Aquaman is just going to be like Jason Momoa standing there in the costume... Eating a piece of cake while holding one in his hand too. Yeah, I you know I I just it it's are everything. They're just not gonna try. Nothing. It's the greatest and also the best. They're not even. I feel like they're not even trying anymore to to sound like organic and and and, and uh, genuine. You know. Yeah, and there may <laughs> be some genius to that because how do you write a clickbait headline out of something that's kind of that all over the place and covers so many bases in a way that we all know is bullshit, but it. I mean, how do you how do you do a pull quote from that that you can write one of the uh, Emmerich says movie might fail kind of headlines? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Like <laughs> the like the the you know the I guess for lack of a better term copywriters of the future are going to be the people that can avoid that the best. Yeah. So uh, this 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 bit hurts. Uh, Jay oh. Oliva uh, was talking. He tweeted to a uh, to a film blogger who uh, said that. Affleck never fully worked out this, his Batman story. And Jay, Jay Oliva says, The original Affleck script was the best Batman script I've ever read. Ben had a kick-ass story, and I believe that the audience and fans would have loved it. Mm. And I've seen so many pop-ups, so many Twitters, you know, tw- uh, notifications and uh, tweets out there from people who are just like going, you know, ow, man, damn it. Why would you say this? Why would you even tease me? Oh. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, apparently that one just got hard sidelined. Just yeah, that that version Joe, is definitely not happening. So Joe Manganiello even like tweeted and and gave it a check mark. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, when his script was still in the works, like that was when Joe was still, I mean, just really into the character. It, it seemed like a lot of, like a lot of his I mean, I think he still and, is. I mean, he really is, but like like when he was doing interviews, it, he was talking mm-hmm. about it a lot. Like there was a there was a hype period there, and yeah. Poor guy. Poor script. <laughs> yeah. Poor little thing. So, uh, Walking Dead guy, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, got yeah. like Negan. Uh, Many he was asked things. about his, yeah. yeah, he was asked about his ideal Marvel roles. And, uh, he says, Fantastic Four's been done. I like the stretchy dude. <laughs> the only one I want to play in DC is Lobo. He's badass. Um, he did say it was, he's like, who, who are the Chris's not playing from Marvel? (laughs) (laughs) He, uh, he, he was asked the same thing way back when he was playing, uh, the comedian in Watchmen and he said Lobo. He said Lobo would be cool. Well, I like his consistency and, uh, hell yeah, I could dig him as Lobo. 
He does say he says I don't think I'm as big as Lowe is, but if you could transplant <laughs> if you could transplant Mickey Rourke's body on my head, that would be just great. <laughs> <laughs> he does have the right face shape for it. That's right. Like if if you put a little bit of latex on that dude, he could he could look Zarnian. Yeah, and the the Rock. Freaking t- tweeted out the the link to the article talking about how he wants to play Lobo, and the Rock just says, "Hell yes!" <laughs> I I could completely get behind that. Yeah, and I'd be down for that. Dean, yeah, Dean Morgan has played. I mean, I love the guy's range, and mm-hmm. he can sure do creepy. And do fun. I want him to play Thomas Wayne in a Flashpoint movie? Absolutely. Yeah, do I want him to play Lobo? Among other Absolutely. things, it's continuity. But if we just have him as Lobo, that's great. And also, it he would theoretically be kind of so disguised um, mm-hmm. it, that it wouldn't distract you. It was like, what's that? Was that not? Didn't that guy raise Bruce Wayne? Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know if you're going to have that moment. No. Yeah. But and you know, uh, thinking back at or thinking back on Watchmen, God, the comedian was a lot like Lobo, wasn't he? Wasn't he? <laughs> Dude yes, looks please. good with a cigar in his mouth. Yes, please. Let's do that. Lobo. Yeah. I want to see... I want a Christmas movie. I want Lobo versus Santa Claus. Somebody just needs to, like, tweet him emphatically saying something about you bastages and see how it goes. Absolutely. Just get it get it going. All right. We're going to head over to DC TV news. Oh, so quick. So, yeah, I know. You didn't have a lot. <laughs> I'm telling you. I know. <laughs> You're like Alec Baldwin in, in that SNL skit. Yeah, I know. That's why I was saying. I'm so scared. Yeah. <laughs> ah it's poor movies we're just we're just in a holding pattern for them right now i know i mean they released a couple of pictures and like a tv spot for shazam but they didn't really give us anything yeah i didn't feel like yeah there's nothing really out there i mean it's what it is yeah it is what it is like i think movies belong to marvel this week like captain marvel mostly Uh, yeah (laughs) she's releasing they're releasing a bunch of marvel captain marvel stuff and it's, it's going nuts some hint about breaking the internet. What will be today by this by the time of this recording's release? Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, their D.H. Samuel L. Jackson looks great, dude. I saw him. I was like, ah, it looks like him from Die Hard. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Look how young he must be. Yeah, I saw that shit, and some baby slipped out of my peepee hole. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't know. <laughs> I'm like Zeus. Oh, that poor thing. It's like he's gonna leave the screen right now, and he's gonna start talk, gonna start talking to Bruce Willis about some math problems. Right. <laughs> like so young, he had hardly uttered his first motherfucker. <laughs> Still learning to form the word, the p- poor lad. Uh huh. Yeah. Back then, it was still mommy pop pop. Mm hmm. Mommy pop pop. And the and the fact that you're still referring to it as pop pop means tells me that you're not ready. You're not ready. You're not ready. <laughs> we need, we this, need to learn you some books first. It's one of my favorite Arrested Development bits. Is when was when Jeffrey Tambor's in the attic and Michael Sarah's like, I have Pop Pop in the attic. And he's like, see, this, the fact that you're still calling it Pop Pop means that, <laughs> tells me that you're not ready. You know, Right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's talk about some, go- some Gotham okay. here. Um, Sid O'Connell. Since some set picks were released, he's taken to Instagram. He's confirmed his role in season five. He's going to be the freaking mutant leader from the Dark Knight Returns. Oh, hell yeah. I saw the the pictures. They looked awesome. They looked pretty damned comic accurate. You know, I'm not going to be one of the nitpickers who are going, his nipples aren't pointy enough. This no, is, he looks pretty question. great. How big are the nipples? <laughs> 
You know, they, they have those multiverse figures, the action figures they sell in, in Walmart and Target and whatnot. And they have the mutant leader, and I'm annoyed because he doesn't have nipples. At I'm all? Like, that's like, th- no, it's not like at all. And I'm like, the trait of that. He has like giant cone nipples. Oh. He, were they Madonna? <laughs> <laughs> they just, they, he's just smooth chested. He's, he's 60s Hulk. Oh. Running around with no nipples. Hold on, I'm, I'm, I'm going to look at these nipples. Okay, well, th- that just looks like yeah. a big scary dude. Yeah, he just looks like a big scary dude. I'm down. Yeah, it's fine. No, I mean, uh, uh, we we tease, we tease, but it's this yeah. is this was a good choice. This was a good choice yeah. on the nipples, because it, it it's outstanding in a way where sometimes Frank Miller makes art choices where you're like, oh, dude, what? Come on now, you should have run that yeah, by that's, somebody. That's the <laughs> that is the question with the with with the mutant leader nipples. Was that like a weird Frank Miller choice, or was that like? something that the mutant leader was wearing on his nipples. I don't know. I really don't. I I would like to think he had weaponized his own chest. Well, sure. But I don't know. You know, just let him grab Batman and bring him close, stab him with his nips. Other than that, it looks pretty great. Yeah, absolutely. I'm down for the guy. Yeah. Uh, Robin Lord Taylor, he he came out with it, said Bane is going to be a part of season five. This was just days after they announced that the, uh, not, they didn't announce it. Someone reported that episode eight of season five was going to be called I Am Bane. So we're not only getting King Snake, we're not even we're only getting his dad, we're getting Bane himself. That feels fitting. Again, I don't even know complaint, how they're going to do that. Only complaint I might have, you've just got, you've got a what lot to wrap up. Oh, I was going to say what do his nipples look like, but. I'm going to need normal ones right. there. <laughs> They're little luchadors. Yeah, <laughs> my friends. <laughs> I, I. <laughs> and we we're gonna have magpie in Gotham oh, as well. Why not? That would, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna be hopeful. I just I don't want them to try to cram too much in. We know it's the final uh-huh. one. Just just do it. Yeah, I mean, what do they get? Like 10, 13, 14 episodes, something. I don't even remember I think it was anymore. 10, and there's a couple of giant-sized episodes. Okay, yeah. Well, I think it's we like Magpie. 10, and a couple of them are basically movies. We got Magpie. Magpie was one of those villains where it's like, you know, she, she, she works at a, a museum. Villain. Ah, see, uh, she wasn't a good villain. That's the whole point. <laughs> she was a good villain. She, she like... <laughs> it's like one of your like favorite replied. animated DC quotes, though. Yeah, it is one of my favorite DC quotes, or one of my favorite anime DC quotes. And I, I don't even think it was from necessarily DC. I think it was from the Jeff Loeb Superman Batman comic. Yeah, no, I just I think that was like, actually... I think it was called Public yeah. Enemies in the DC. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It was like, whatever happened to Magpie? <laughs> she died. Why can't any of the good villains die? What the hell is a good villain, Clark? Yeah. <laughs> that's one of my favorite bits. Yeah, that's good. Anyway... Uh, <laughs> over on Black Lightning, they've cast uh, the char- the Outsiders character Looker, and it's going to be so uh, Sophia Vasilevia. I think that's how you say the name. She was the girl, the the Cult of Rao girl on Supergirl. Yeah, last season. Uh, well, I'm not excited about this. Confusing. It is. I, well, I mean, it's they've already made a reference to the character on Black Lightning mm-hmm. because remember. Um, Grace had that comic of the Outsiders, and then they were doing the costume party, and she asked if she wanted. To, she asked uh, Anissa if she wanted to be Looker or Supergirl, mm-hmm. and now they're bringing the character of Looker into the canon. Mm-hmm. And I didn't find her to be a particularly good actress on Supergirl, 
But Black Lightning is doing this weird thing, Static Shock. The Static Shock animated series did, where like initially they were like referencing the comics and the characters as if they were just comics. Like, oh yeah, Batman, <laughs> Superman, <laughs> and then like later on they're like, oh, I'm meeting and fighting with Batman. That's cool. And I'm like, wait, are you are they fictional in your universe or not? <laughs> make a make a decision, Static. Make a decision, Black Lightning. Oh. Uh. I just don't like the using the same character in what could eventually be a same universe situation or same actor. I don't I don't care for that myself, but that's the only part that I'm off of. I'm very neutral to her as an actress. I I, I don't remember her uh, fondly or otherwise. I, like she did fine, no problems there. It's just I just don't like the idea of using the same face. Uh, yeah, and I yeah, there's some in universe problems. That, you're right. That needs kind of an explanation. Mm-hmm. Uh, as an actress, I thought she was a bit cringy. She might do better on this show. It might have been the writing. might have been any number of things. I didn't care for her. Not really looking forward to the character being on, on Black Lightning. Mm. Um, hopefully, they'll give her a better backstory. Like, she in the in the comics, she was exposed to cosmic rays from Haley's Comet. <laughs> and See, that would have been a better backstory in Supergirl. You're exposed to Haley's Comet rays, and you're made a cult member. Right. That makes more sense. <laughs> And your name is like uh, Heaven's Fate or something. Right. Heaven's Fate. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> you know, a lot of outlets were, were reporting that Kelsey Grammer was uh, doc- was uh, the chief, you know, on Doom Patrol. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's not. No. Saw this one. No. Timothy Dalton has now been announced as the chief. Yes. On Doom Patrol. Do you, do you know Timothy Dalton? Yeah. That one Bond movie? Of course. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was Rassilon on Doctor Who. I'm going to make sure before I say this, but I'm damn sure he was, he Simon... was Hot Fuzz. Yep. Okay. Yeah. He was in Hot Fuzz. Yeah, absolutely. Simon Skinner. Um. Yeah. I'm down. You don't know actors generally, so I figured you'd be like, I don't know who that is. And I'd be like, Simon Skinner on Hot Fuzz. No, I'm like, I know like, that mustache. I had that ready. I know that mustache. I have it I had cataloged. <laughs> I had it ready. I had it ready in... in... <laughs> In the notes here, I was like, Jason's not going to know this. I love that you actually like had that prepared and like must have hit IMDb at least just to make sure. Oh, no, no. I knew. Oh, you knew. Like those are the only three. Those are the only three I know. Oh, okay. I was like, James Bond, Rassilon of Doctor Who and Simon Skinner and Hot Fuzz. Ah, Past that, I'm not sure I know either, but I like him there. So we're going to be fine. I'm like, oh, if I have to remind him who he is, Hot Fuzz is the way to go. Yeah, no, I I can get behind that. (laughs) <laughs> oh no! I inexplicably passed this non-test mm-hmm. pop quiz, yeah, if you wonderful. will. That's wonderful. By the way, I don't want to get too deep into it. Some some uh, set photos of uh, of Doom Patrol were leaked. Damn, they look right. They Good. just look great. Good. Everybody looks great. Looks like the show. I mean, looks like the mo- uh, the, the comics. That's the movie. It looks like the comics, man. <laughs> uh, they all look great. Good. I mean, uh, personally, if I see the phrase leaked set photos, I literally go the other way. I don't want to. I, I don't care. I'm, I just move on. Yeah. Yeah. But even in the crappy, like, we're not filming right now, but we're about to film atmosphere, they looked damn good. <laughs> good. I was excited to see it. Uh, something I'm not excited about, though, Swamp Thing officially named Lynn Wiseman as executive producer and the director of the pilot episode. What's he directed? Um, well, (laughs) 
This is, uh, he's directed the Underworld films. Okay, so, so far I'm in. So far I'm out. Yeah, I'm... Uh, Live Free or Die Hard is the only thing that I've, that, that I've seen that I really cared about that he did. He did the Total Recall reboot. Um, he has been an executive producer and occasional director on Lucifer and The Gifted. See, there I'm torn. That's, that's really, the thing that scares me. I really like The Gifted. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, okay. but then there's Lucifer. So, I don't know. And then, uh, oh yeah, Sleepy Hollow. But that's just DP. Mm-hmm. So what's he directing? Yeah. What are you a director of, you you bastard? What do you what have you done? Well he's an EP well he's an EP on Swamp Thing, so Oh, this is actually encouraging. The pilot of Lucifer is the one he directed. The single and only one he directed, and that was a good pilot. <laughs> that was a pretty Same good with pilot. Sleepy Hollow. Pilot. <laughs> Him. Pretty good. Uh huh. Um past that? No, I don't see uh now I did I actually really enjoyed Underworld. Like, deeply enjoyed Underworld. Love that film. I could never get into it. Just the it dialogue was, was atrocious. It's not it even that. It's just awful. that I love the, uh, I don't know, especially back in the day that came out, I was a big fan of, like, the vampire werewolf stuff. I, I never liked been a fan the, of that uh, kind of part of the How much paranormal. it looked. I never liked it when they, or I never liked anything where, like, people jump great distances and it just so, so, so much looks like they're just swinging on a wire. <laughs> I mean, sure. And I feel like that was like all of Underworld. <laughs> a lot of it. A lot of it. <laughs> like bad dialogue and wire swinging. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to look up this too. Hold on. Hold on. Now, it, well, the dialogue was pretty, pretty raunchous. Uh, but, oh, uh, this is actually encouraging too. Even on The Gifted, um, it's like episode two. Like, so, I don't know. He's, he's, he does seem to have a gift for setting up something that might be fun. Now, uh, what happens after him? We'll see. We shall see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. I, I should point out I was not a fan of the entire Underworld series. Oh, for real? Well, I mean, Underworld I enjoyed. And I've watched them all because I really did enjoy the first one. It was hit me at a time in my life okay. kind of thing, you know? And, I uh, guess. Just roll with me here, Dave. And There was a time in my life where I didn't <laughs> where I didn't have taste. <laughs> it wasn't even that. It was just <laughs> like I was... like It was right after I'd kind of... Uh, somebody like shown me all the... Um, Vampire Diaries, oh god, why am I, Anne Rice, all the Anne Rice stuff, and I kind of read through that and was kind of like hungry for something, and then saw that and went, oh, uh-huh. you know, good vampire movie. Um, anyway, hit me at the right time, and um, it was Underworld, and then Underworld Evolution was kind of, oh, okay, and then Rise of the Light comes, eh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, maybe, and then I remember watching Underworld Awakening, and uh-huh. just laughing for like 90 minutes. <laughs> uh-huh. Like, I see it. <laughs> like I, I did. I also kind of turned it into a drinking game, where it was like every mm-hmm. time, every time there was something in it that was uh, so laughably off franchise or uh, grotesque that I just couldn't bear it. I, if you can turn disgust into a drinking game, that's what I did. So I laughed for ninety minutes. Mm-hmm. I never, I never actually saw. Uh... I saw bits and pieces of them, basically. Like I had my old friend Sean, who got me into Buffy the Vampire Slayer, um, was really into Underworld and told me I should see it. And I was like, well, "Why do you like it? Because it looks really bad." And he went, "Hey, girl's hot." Yeah, I'm not arguing with that at all. And I went, "Be that as it may, that's not a reason that it is good. That's you know, that's gravy. That's you know, yeah, that's a um... that's a <laughs> just." <laughs> A wayward perk. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, like, that needs tell to me be why it's a good on thing. On top of the other, yeah. <laughs> now, something that got me though, also, in my defense, if it will be accepted by the court, 
is uh, uh, shut no. up, okay. shut up, and listen first. You're the court, <laughs> and you still won't agree, but I'm going to say that anyway. Um, All right. The, the soundtrack was like produced by Danny Loner, uh-huh. who was part of the Nine Inch Nails family at the time, and sure as hell sounded like it. Okay. So a lot of the films sounded very Nine Inch Nailsy, and I'm just a huge fan, huge fan of okay. that. Okay. Uh, God, that, that, like that, right, I don't that care. <laughs> underworld soundtrack I still listen to from time to time. It just it's it's still good. I mean it's fine. You know, I mean there look You don't know. You never heard it. I don't I'm not judging it wouldn't be you, your, man. it wouldn't Whatever. be your style anyway. I'm not not for real. Uh you know, I'm I joke with you here, but you, you know, like we say, there's there's lots of there's lots of shit out there mm-hmm. and uh lots of stuff that's uh, not up to uh snuff and people like it and we like it some of it and uh and you know you like what you like, man. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It's the whole uh, flight cast, Fans Without Borders, is all subjective thing. Yeah. I I, I I don't actually regret it. I would watch Underworld right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> but I enjoy the you mythology know, the same, in particular. You know, I, I, I'm not going to get too, uh, too uppity or anything because, you know, you're over here defending Underworld. And I'm like, well, the only thing I liked that he did was live free or die hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, the first Die Hard that everyone universally hated. Oh, the one that ruined things. That's good. And it and it didn't. It didn't. I know. I know. People are just stupid. Just now, a good day to Die Hard did kind of ruin things. It sucked, but <laughs> it just wasn't entertaining. It wasn't because he was a superhero. He's always been a superhero. Yeah. <laughs> Watch the first three without the rose-colored lenses of nostalgia. And you'll be like, oh, he should have been dead like 15 times in that first movie. Uh, what is that uh, Doctor's Watch Movies thing? Oh, there was a, um, yeah, they did a they did a series, somebody did a series where real doctors uh, assessed the damage John McClane took in all of those movies. And he took the most damage and should have been dead at least 14 or 15 times in the first movie alone. I mean, something like that. There, there were just multiple stunts where, and... I mean, they they would list like what would happen, like when he's falling and catches himself. They're like, "Oh yeah, uh, carp, you know, carpal something or other." What? Basically, yeah. like, it was like ding, subdermal hematoma. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. kind of crap. <laughs> ding, arterial ding, dislocated bleeding. shoulder. Yeah, arterial. And it's like it's like bang. John McClane has died. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they're adding up the injuries to death. Injuries to death. 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 Injuries to death. It's great. It was. It is great. It was, God, I wish I could remember the name of that series right now. Oh well. I'll, I'll I'll look at it and I'll put it in the show notes. How's that? That'll work. All right. So we got one piece of one last piece of news here. Uh, Jeff Johns was talking to CBR. Said uh, talking about re- reimagining Justice Society for a Star Girl. He says much like you know Arrow reimagining Green Arrow or Smallville and Superman. I'm taking a brand new direction on Justice Society. It'll be, I think, more closer to the lore. I wanted to kind of do a brand new reimagining of it for Stargirl. He does say that uh, that Stripe is going to be involved. Because you can't do Stargirl without Stripe. <laughs> um, he says, it's cool because I have to say with Titans and Doom Patrol, Warner Brothers has given us the ability to build Robot Man. And we're doing Elasta Woman and Crazy Jane and Negative Man. And in Titans, there's great scenes with Dick Grayson in the Batcave. Mm. That Batcave bit was enough to get me excited. Yeah, it's nice. I mean, they're going to let him... They're gonna let him play in these universes, apparently. Mm-hmm. Ah, you gotta love that. It it does make sense, though. It really does. Like, why does. why would you launch a DC streaming service and neuter yourself? You know, like why? 
Don't don't hamstring yourself or whatever. Like just <laughs> go play. You're you're yeah. you're the centralized part of these properties. Go play. Yeah, absolutely. Like if everything else fails and this thing's still making money and the movies stop and the TV shows stop and this thing's still making money, it will be all that stands. Don't limit yourself. Right. Well, I think uh I mean that's all the news. Did you have anything else you wanted to talk about? No, I don't think so. Well, I'm going to make a little mini announcement, and uh, it's not as concrete as it will be later, obviously, but we don't even have a name, but me and Matt Carroll of the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast are uh, are tinkering around with doing a Star Trek podcast. Mm. So uh, I would love to know, uh, love to hear from you guys, anybody who's interested in, in hearing that, but um, that is a thing that's being worked out and worked on. So should. let me know who would be interested in that. Yeah, should be interesting. It'd be fun. That's a serious, I, serious know, knowledge base for you too. Yeah, we grew up together. That was our big thing. Like, like there was no, there was no Batman stuff out. Like, there was Batman the animated series for a little while, but um, since we were like, you know, four or five, five years old, knowing each other, we've been into Star Trek and following Star Trek, and that's ma- mainly what we talked about all those years. So- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it seems apropos. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, it should work. If you if you'd like to come visit us on the Facebook page or Facebook group, I should say, Facebook.com slash groups slash DC on screen podcast. You can leave us a voicemail, 205-259-6331. And um I'm thinking about uh putting up some new designs in the t shirt shop and I'll uh unleash those first on the uh on the Facebook group. If anybody uh, be interested in checking that out. Excellent. We'll, we'll be back next week. Don't know what we're going to be talking about, but until then, keep some PC on your screen. Bye. Our opening narration was from Dan Jurgens' The History of the DC Universe, Part 3 of 10, as featured in DC 52, Week 4. It was performed by me, David C. Robertson. Intro music by Jason Goss and Michael Shackelford. Michael's band, Future Elevators, could be found on Spotify or future-elevators.com. Our introduction was performed by Effie Ophelders of the fantastic podcast Stealing the Remote, which lives on SoundCloud. It can also be found on iTunes and Stitcher. We are proudly in partnership with TV Time, TV show calendar and social media site that lets you keep track of what you're watching, what your friends are watching, and where you all left off. DC On Screen is a maladjusted production. Visit maladjusted.tv for more from me and Jason, including sketch comedy, an improvised web series, vlogs, parodies, and more. Hey.